For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. And for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in the Spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we come to you now, Lord, to understand how to have our hearts encouraged. Lord, how to know, Lord, that you have struggled for us greatly. Lord, through temptations of Satan in the desert, through the temptation to come off the cross, for the temptation to raise yourself to heaven before our redemption was completed. But Lord, you didn't do that. You never failed because you are God. And Lord, that is why you encourage us now. So Lord, we ask you now as we look at this word, Lord, that you would bring it to our hearts. You would open our eyes to this. God, that we would look and see and know that you are worthy. And it's not just the words of men, but the power of God. We ask all this in your name. Amen. There's a couple of things I'm very excited about in this text tonight. And the first thing that hits you right there in verse 1, when Paul says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have had for you. There's so many times when people consider the position of Paul as an apostle or someone like myself as a pastor or elder or even servants in the church. Those of you sitting in here looking at me right now are servants in this church. And there are times that we struggle for the ministry. We struggle to make it happen. There have been times when I have fought as hard as I can to make an event happen or make a ministry happen when it seemed like everything was coming against it. And there's a temptation to go, maybe God doesn't want this to happen because it just there's so much adversity, there's so many things coming against this event from happening. But when you push through, when you know that the Scripture tells you to do what you're doing, okay? For, uh, for an example, we were putting on an event where we were giving out food, we were preaching the gospel, and we were giving out Bibles. And we had just everything go wrong with this event, from the music to the venue to the, just everything was falling apart. And the temptation was to go, well, maybe we just shouldn't do it. And it would have been easy to say, maybe God doesn't want this to go on. But then we went back to the Word. And the idea for the event was to get kids together to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, to give them Bibles and to give the hungry food. Are those things worthy in God's Word? Amen. So no matter the adversity, because we knew that it's what God wanted, because He said it so plainly in His Word, we pushed through everything against us and made this amazing thing happen. Students, that can be you tonight. You can push through the adversity that's happening to you. You can push through the things that are trying to stop you from serving God. Paul struggled greatly. And I'd like to share with you a text that I want you to note. If you're ever feeling sorry for yourself, if you're ever feeling like life's difficult, which it may be, consider these words of Paul. This is in 2 Corinthians Chapter 11, verses 24 through 28. Paul is counting the persecutions that he has received at the hands of Jews. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes save one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. 
Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and the day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, and danger from false brethren. In toil and in hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, without food, in the cold and exposed. Is this not a man who has laid down his body and his mind and his heart for the gospel? But look what he says. Instead of complaining about all that, instead of fussing about everything that's happened to him, he says this in verse 28, apart from all these things, there is the daily pressure on me and my anxiety for all the churches. Paul suffered more than anyone else, but his care, his concern, his heart, his thoughts, everything that made up him as a Christian wanted to help God's church. That's When Paul said, I struggled for you, he wasn't joking. When Paul said that I had this great burden for you in Colossians, he meant it. He put his body on the line. In Acts, one time Paul is preaching in the city. They stone him and he passes out. They think he's dead. They drag him out of the city and leave him to die. He comes to, he wakes up, he jumps up, and instead of running away from those who just tried to murder him, he runs back into the city and starts preaching the gospel again. Because this man struggled for God's people. He struggled for people like you. And see, we have struggled as well. Paul suffered, uh, suffered and struggled greatly, and despite hardships, his burden was for the kingdom of God. Students, adults, what's your burden for? Because what you love, you'll struggle for. You'll do everything to make it happen. And so what is it? Is it a sport? Is it a significant other? Or is it the kingdom of God? Now, those other things are okay, but they come underneath the umbrella for the Christian of God's will. There's another thing I want you to see in this text. Look at verse 2. It says that their hearts may be encouraged. Do you like to be encouraged? If you're not sure what it is, encouragement is the opposite of getting yelled at. So if you, if you know what it feels like to be yelled at, consider the opposite of that. That's encouragement. Okay? Encouragement can sound bad. Sometimes encouragement's criticism. That's true. But look what it says, Colossians 2.2. Uh, 2 that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. Students, we are in a family of God here. I had a conversation with somebody on the way here to church tonight, and they were talking about becoming a member. And I asked them, why do you want to be a member? And they responded, because this is a family. And I want to be in that family. Students, that's what you should want tonight, to be in the family of God. Consider Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. A famous text, Paul says, then you are no longer strangers or aliens. You are fellow citizens. Why would you come to a church and remain a stranger? Why would you come to a place where you're supposed to join in the love, but instead you keep yourself on the outside? So some of you know, I teach a class here at the college. I have a student who, he has a black mask. It's really cool. It's like this neon cool thing, but it's, it's black and he wears a hoodie and he has glasses, and I can't see this kid's face. I don't know what this person looks like, and I've been teaching him since August. Okay, We've had many a conversation, shared a joke, 
I've helped him with his tests. I mean, we've been, we've been getting him there, and I don't know what he looks like. I really don't. I don't know what he looks like. It could be, it could be John Cena. You're right. Possibly. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Why come to a place and then hide yourself from the people there? Because you can't hide from God. So why hide yourself from then? Ephesians 2.19, you are no longer strangers. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. God has not brought you here to let you act in a way that's not like his children act. That's why we have this thing called church discipline. That's why we have this thing called encouragement. We have these things put in place so that we can help each other get closer to the Lord. The church is not a museum where you come and view the perfect Christians who attend here. Okay? This place is a work camp. This place is, they, on Facebook ads, you know, and all the cliche memes, it's a battleship and all that stuff. Let me tell you what this place is. This place is truly a home. And it's a home for the family of God. You ever help somebody by taking them into your home? You ever love somebody enough to take on the burden? You ever had that done for you? That's what it means to be in the family of God. That God would bring you into his family and instead of leaving you out in the cold, has brought you in where you can enjoy the feast. God did not bring you into this family to let you be a stranger. In fact, God's going to start doing things in your heart to turn you from being a stranger into a friend. And that's what we want you to be tonight, a friend. God has provided to you a family that will help you and that you are to help. So there's an element of responsibility here. Too many people treat the church, right, as the free handout place. You know, just get, just get what I can get and then leave. That's not what this place is. This place serves, you come, you serve, and together we grow closer to the Lord Jesus. That's what church is for. So don't be a stranger. Don't be a stranger. Because to be a stranger with the church is to reject. It's to reject God's gospel. It's to reject what God is doing. It is to reject salvation itself. And I think a little more about this. When it says strangers and aliens, that word alien, there, of course, does not refer to little green men, <laughs> but foreigners, people who did not were not born in that country. And there's a lot of talk about that these days politically. I mean, it, it, we always hear that. But I think about this. To be an alien in the kingdom of heaven is to say that you didn't come in the right way. And God's not going to allow that. God's not going to allow a person to sneak over the wall of heaven and just run around in there and do what they want. It's not going to happen. In fact, you and I will all stand on the outside of the gate in what the Bible calls the final judgment, where God will separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares, the Christians and those in rebellion. And so I press that question to you tonight because I see so many of you. You come here week after week. But, but why? Ever asked yourself that question? Why? Why do I go to church? Someone's always trying to convince you to go to church, right? You need to get in church, go to church, be in a church. But why? Is God here? Is this pulpit more special? Is God inhabiting the holiness of that fake wood back there behind me? 
No, God's not in this plywood any more than he's in the trees outside. God is omnipresent, which makes him everywhere. So you didn't have to come here to find God. He wasn't hiding up in the baptistry. So why? Why? Because if you came and you still want to be a stranger, you still want to be an alien student, don't. Because you're just wasting time. You're just wasting your effort. Don't do that. Instead, come inside and be a part of this family. Experience the love that comes together with people who know that they're broken, who know that they're not perfect, who know they need help, and they help and love each other. Be a part of that. And don't reject it. Don't reject it. Turn to Psalm 73, and we will finish up in this text tonight in Psalm 73. In Colossians 2, as I read to you at the beginning, Paul says, In order that the treasures of wisdom of knowledge, which is in Christ, that we would not be deluded by anybody with plausible arguments. Okay. Now, we're going to talk some more about being deluded by these arguments in later verses, so that'll be in two weeks. But this idea of being deluded, how many people in here have ever wondered truly, and don't raise your hand, but just wonder truly, is God actually real? ever wondered that? That's okay. That's okay to wonder. Is God actually real? And if we start with the foundation that he is real, which there are many good arguments for ontological and elemental and moral and all that kind of stuff. But let me just say this. There's a very simple argument that you can use. In creation, in science, in any testable format, there cannot be something unless something came before. How can there be something if there was nothing before? The world exists. How did that exist? Christians say God made it. Other people say other stuff did it. Who's right? And of course, this is an element of faith. We're not talking about proving God scientifically. In fact, I think God purposefully did it that way. You can't prove him scientifically because he said, believe on me, not test me. But here's a Here's a really good question. Okay, so we asked, do you ever wondered if God is real? Okay, I have wondered that. How can I know? How can I know that God is real? How can I know that I won't be confused or deluded by these other good arguments? And sometimes there's good arguments. I've talked to uh, uh, some, some atheists with some pretty good arguments, and I'm not going to defend their arguments, but I've heard some pretty good ones, ones that sent me back to the desk to study. Like, oh, that was really good. Let me think about this. <laughs> you know. Has anyone ever deluded you with an argument that sounded good, but boy, it ended up hurting you? It ended up destroying something. See, what happened in the church in Colossians, they had a plausible argument come in that Jesus was not really God. And that since he wasn't really God, you got to do this other stuff to actually be saved. And they got confused, they got hurt, and Paul writes to them to say, Christians, don't be confused. Don't be deluded. Instead, rather look to the truth. I say this in order, this is verse 4 of Colossians, that no one would delude you with plausible arguments because I am absent in body. Paul's not there. And guys, I can imagine this. I can imagine if I was gone and somebody else came in this room and started teaching you guys that Jesus wasn't God, I would be somewhere losing my mind. 
I would be texting and messaging and writing and saying, Kyle, tackle him. Jet, pull him off the stage. Somebody. <laughs> I would be so upset. And Paul's probably in prison at this point. He's writing from a jail cell to help his people, some people he's never even met. And he says, I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to be deluded. I want you to stand firm in your faith in Christ. Students, can we do that tonight? Can we stand firm? I had you go to Psalm 73, right? Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart may fail. And that's going to happen, right? Humans fail because they have sin. Humans mess up. They make mistakes. Anybody in here ever had somebody do you wrong? Yes, plenty of times. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You want to stand firm in your faith tonight? You cannot do it alone. You cannot build enough faith without God to take on Satan, to take on the world, to take on anybody as an enemy of Christ. You will fail. There's a cult we have even in this town, okay, called the Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't want to pick on them, but they exist. The statistics show that right now, if the majority of you ran out to their church and tried to convert them, they would end up converting the majority of you. That statistic is true. I've looked it up and I've tested it. I have. I've tested it. I've talked to a lot, a lot of people who used to be Baptist, went to the witnesses. Went to the witnesses. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But their flesh and their heart failed them. How can you stand firm today? on the strength of God. Students, the only way to do it is to be in Christ. Not near Christ. Not I know about Christ. Not I read about Christ or I heard about Christ one time. Or yeah, my grandma talks about Jesus. No. In. The language here is very clear. In Him. In intimacy with Him. Completed with Him. Him in your heart. That is what it means to be in. So where are you tonight? Because without Christ, students, you're still a stranger. You're still an alien of God. You're a foreigner in the kingdom. And you will be sent away. But in Christ, in Christ, your flesh may fail and your heart may fail. But God will be your strength and he will lift you up above any enemy and all sin. And one day bring you to his gates. Where he will say, to the one he has given strength, well done. Well done. So where are you at tonight, students? Is someone going to delude you away with God arguments? Or could it be even worse that you think so little about God that I remind you about him the next time you see me? In my judgment, that's the worst thing. It is far better to wrestle with whether or not you're saved, wrestle with whether or not God's even real, wrestle with heaven instead of leaving here and coming back. We don't even have church next week. Two weeks, two weeks from now, coming back and going, oh yeah, there's Josh. Oh yeah, God. I forgot about him. That's what's worse. Students, that's what's bad. And I beg you, please, if you find that that's you, if you're looking in your heart and you're going, man, that's me. Please, don't, don't waste more time. Don't go another week. Don't go another moment. Don't leave this room without turning to the Lord Jesus Christ 
who promised that if you believe with all your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You will be. So be encouraged tonight because to stand in the firmness of faith is not to stand alone. Just as Moses had his hands lifted up in the wilderness so that Joshua and the Israelites would win the battle, Jesus lifts your hands so that you can praise God because you can't do it on your own. And what's even worse is we won't do it. But Jesus can. Jesus has and Jesus will. If you repent of your sins, if you believe on him, then he will bring himself, plant himself in your heart and you will know what it means to be in Christ. Students, guys, I, I love you. I don't want you to be deluded away from the truth. I don't want you to be confused or hurt spiritually. This stuff is important. That's why we preach here. That's why we don't play games and, and give out crackers. That's why we do this. Okay? Do you want to know the biggest adversity I've ever faced in youth ministry? You really want to know what it is? Most people would say it's bad kids. It's not bad kids. Most people would say, oh, it's, you know, it's money or financial. It's not. The number one adversity for ministry, really in any ministry, is people coming in and saying, you don't really need to preach to them kids. You don't, they, they don't really need that. Foolishness. It's hatred. Those people hate you because they don't want you to hear the truth. I want you to hear the truth. I'm called to preach that truth. And students, I hope you've heard it tonight. Where else can you go? But the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, once again, we have come to your throne. We have offered ourselves as the sacrifice, Lord. We have casted those crowns at your feet. And Lord, we openly declare, Lord, with one loud voice, that Jesus is God. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is our Lord, and he deserves our worship. Lord, let us not be confused once again. Lord, to think that we can just continue to act however we want to act and treat God's house as a mockery. Lord, help us. Forgive us our sins. Help us learn your ways. And Lord, I pray for those in here. Lord, some of whom it is clear need to repent and believe on your son. God, I pray that you would be merciful. It's so easy, Lord. It's so easy for me to get angry. It's so easy for me to get offended. But God, what about you? What about when you're offended? What about when you're angry? And Lord, you keep your anger at bay. You keep your offense to a minimum. But there will come a day when that wrath and that anger, it will be poured out. And that'll be then. So Lord, I ask you tonight to be merciful and plant these gospel seeds. Lord, if there's some professing Lord, then strengthen them if there's some. That one day they would grow. I thank you, Lord. I ask you to bless these people, these students, these children, these adults, those who have come here to worship you. God, encourage them and use them to glorify your Son. In your name we pray. Amen.